0: Series this morning and, and I want to read our scripture. It's found in Matthew chapter 5, verse 7. We're gonna be looking at Jesus' fifth beatitude. Sorry, t- May, yeah. Yeah, the paper is coming for people. Gotcha. If you didn't get a paper, we're copying more. There's right now in the room haves and have-nots. <laughs> so uh, the people at the front who have papers turn around and say, no 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 No, no, don't do that. That would be bad. That would not be very Christian of you. So we're gonna be looking at Jesus's fifth beatitude, Matthew 5, seven, blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy. Most of you know, in the last uh, number of years, the city of Aleppo uh, in Syria has been one of the most tormented and dangerous cities in the world. I I mean, the city's been home to rebel forces that have been trying to overthrow the dictator, Bashar Assad, uh, and in the midst of that, his response has been to that opposition along with Russia has been to uh, have airstrikes on that city. Uh, the devastation has been horrific. And as the bombings have intensified, the, the number one fear of the residents of Aleppo has been to be buried alive. I mean, for good reason. I mean, thousands and thousands of people have, have had that happen, ha- have been buried in the rubble of their homes and of their businesses. And so in Aleppo, there have been a group of people, a, a volunteer group of people, uh, called the Syrian Defense, and they're also known as the White Helmets. Netflix uh, has produced a documentary about them, it's a a short documentary, and they've been featured on 60 Minutes, but the White Helmets are this group of of men and women whose job it is to run into the blast zone after a bomb falls and begin immediately to dig people out of the rubble. They, They hear a blast, and instead of doing what most people do is run away from the blast, they run towards the blast. And so I want to show you a, a clip with some interviews of, of some of these rescuers, some live footage of them at work. This comes from this Netflix documentary. Let's watch the screen. <laughs>
1: يعني اوقع عدد من الجرحى بس البرميل الثاني اللي هو اللي وقع عدد كبير من الشهداء دخلنا اول ما دخلنا طبعا هي منطقه مثل شبه ضيعه هي عباره عن شيء عشر بيوت على الارض كل البيوت على الارض بياداك اليوم يعني كان العمل شاق وضلينا تقريبا عم نعمل بفتره 16 ساعه وأنا بكل اعتقادي وتصوري وأنا بشتغل وبعمل تحت الأنقاض إنه عب أبحث على طفل يعني ميت فسبحان الله الله بدنا ما يخلينا نطلع نغادر المكان إلا إنه نطالع أو نسمع صوت مجرد سماع صوته شعوري يعني لا يوصف شعوري من ما شفت الطفل فهاد خلانا هيك يعطانا ال هو انه نتابع عملنا اكثر واكثر واعطانا امل انه معناته في اشخاص لسه عايشين <تصفيق>
2: انه
1: بعد 16 ساعة وتحت الركاب طفل لا يتجاوز عمره الشهر على قيد الحياه وبين الغبار وبين الركام وبين الاسقف الكيات منهار عليه <تصفيق> <تصفيق> لذلك سميناه طف المعجزه الولد كان عمره اسبوع وانا بهداك الوقت كان جايني عبوده عبد الحميد كان عمره تقريبا اسبوعين فما بعرف ايش اللي دخل مخيلتي انه تخيلت انه هذا ابني وصرت ابكي بهداك الوقت يا ما تحملت الموقف صرنا نبكي انا ورفقاتي كلياتنا
0: I've seen that scene uh, a few times, and every time, every time it gets me. Um, Amazing, amazing story of rescue. And you might have seen some of the other ones that have been featured on the news, but to date, over 3,000 people have been trained to run into the blast to pull people out. And it's highly dangerous work, especially since uh, often where there's a bombing, there's often a second bombing, a second wave that comes. And, And some of these bombs, he talked about a barrel bomb, which is basically a... A drum that's been filled with shrapnel and TNT, and just dropped from a helicopter onto a, onto the city. And we're ta- not talking dropped onto a, a military target, just into a neighborhood, regular folk, like babies like that. But these 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 white helmets at great risk. They they run towards the blast. They run in there because there's no time to waste. And so, that, you know, regardless of of the risk, they 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 head in and they dig. Uh, with their hands or whatever tools they they have on hand and uh, they risk their lives to do it. Many, many white helmets have died, but get this, they have rescued over 70,000 people since they started. One of the rescuers said, every time I pull someone from the rubble, we feel as if we brought someone back to life. And and, and this morning, at its core, I'd say that's what mercy is. That's what it's like. It's fighting to bring someone back to life. It's it's running into the rubble of another person's catastrophe, running into the rubble of another person's situation, whether it's an actual disaster or maybe it's just a a figurative disaster, to find them and to to pull them out. That's an image of mercy. Let me give you another image of mercy. It comes from the lyrics of one of my favorite Bruce Coburn songs, uh, Lovers in a Dangerous Time. The song says... Nothing worth anything comes without a fight. You've got to kick at the darkness until it bleeds daylight. That's another powerful picture of of mercy. It's it's pushing at the darkness. It's kicking back at the darkness until it gives way. So today, that's what we're going to talk about. We're we're, we're talking about running into the rubble. We're talking about kicking at the darkness. We're going to talk about mercy. We'll we'll talk about the meaning of mercy and, and then the mercy we'll talk about the mercy that we have been shown and then we'll talk about the mercy that we're called to show other people globally and locally and individually why don't we first just let's pray again invite god to meet us during these moments lord it's not by accident that we're here this morning you have a message for each of us i'm convinced of it and i pray lord um, we see that you're a merciful god And we pray it might be something that we catch so we can share it to the world. In Christ's name, amen. Before we jump further into mercy, I want to remind you as we walk through these Beatitudes, it's going to be important to remember that the Beatitudes are just not natural human qualities. Um, They're they're not qualities that we can kind of muster up or produce on our own. And, And so when Jesus first walked through Galilee, he wasn't specifically looking for beatitude people who he would then invite into his kingdom or welcome into his kingdom. What Jesus was doing is he would invite the most ordinary people, often very broken people to himself and into his kingdom. And then as a result of this contact with Jesus, as they began to follow his lead, these, these qualities, qualities like mercy began to emerge in them. So being poor in spirit, and being meek, and, and and being pure in heart, merciful, all these qualities, what they are is evidence of God working in you, that his kingdom is, is breaking out in your life, in your experience. And it comes as we repent, as, as we turn around and embrace the leadership of Jesus in our lives. Uh, we're at a bit of a pivot point in our series in Beatitude. We've done the first four, and and the first four Beatitudes are kind of like the doorway, they're the entryway into what we've called the kingdom of God, this, this life under God's leadership and rule. And the remaining Beatitudes are kind of a little bit more or outward orientated, they're description of, descriptions or, or guiding statements, you might say, of, of about what it might mean or, or look like to live out our faith in public. We find the kingdom of God gets, gets worked out a particular way. Most often, it's through relationship. Let me see if I can explain. Um, last week, we talked about blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And part of the reason we have that hunger is because God has that hunger. God, we find out, has this massive heart for a broken world. His, his passion is to see lost lives found, broken lives made whole and restored and healed. He's got this massive heart for the the brokenness of all creation to be redeemed and restored and be made right. He's got a heart for righteousness. That's God's heart. Uh, Another word for righteousness that we didn't get into last week, but it's almost interchangeable, is righteousness and justice. God's got a heart for justice. And in God's economy, one of the primary ways that he brings righteousness and justice into this world is how? through us, through his people. Those those who hunger and thirst for righteousness are people who are also hungering and thirsting for God to bring his righteousness and justice through them. You can't separate the two. Which means to hunger and thirst for righteousness means to actually do more than just pray about it or do more than just be hungry about it. It means to actually act. If we want God to change the world, which, by the way, includes changing us, We need to recognize that the means he usually uses to do that is through his people. Um, There is not a Christian in this room. If I were to to say, you know, are there people God used to help you understand the Christian message, the the gospel? There's not a person in this room would say, no, I learned it all from books. (laughs) Right? We have these, uh, you might call them all-star teams of people who, who we'd say it was this person and it was it was this person, it was this youth leader, and it was this small group leader, it was this this grandmother or 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 parents or aunts who who helped me understand Jesus and the good news. We have these people because this is what God does. I, folks, to be a Christian is to be a Christian relationally. There's there's this outward kind of public aspect to it. To hunger and thirst for righteousness is to be a person who kicks at the darkness until it bleeds daylight. It's to be a person that says, I sign up to run into the rubble of another person's life knowing that it may, may cost me something, but, but I go because of the hope I have in Jesus. That's the, the mercy we have in Jesus. Can I say it's, it's a great word. Mercy is a great word, but it's messy when it gets lived out. And it's costly. I mean, some of you know that. Some of you, you've you've done or been involved in ministries of mercy. It's hard. Um, this week, I was remembering a, a good friend of mine. His name's Troy. He's married to Teresa. Troy and I uh, journeyed together for a long time, for four years, kind of intensively. Troy's a pastor. In fact, some of you have been pastored by Troy. Uh, he's pastor of a, a sister church, and and Troy and I were part of this kind of intensive pastor support group. You might call it Pastors Anonymous, you know. We go around the group saying, hi, I'm Derwin. I'm a pastor. We'd all go, oh yeah, me too. Just, you know, kind of hang our heads. Um, So Troy and I uh, became friends, and and we'd often, we'd spend uh, two or three retreat weekends together throughout a year, and uh, he and I would often bunk together. I got to know him really well, and uh, I didn't it didn't take long to hear what Troy's heart was about. And uh, to Troy and his wife, Teresa, uh, the statistics of, of children suffering, uh, becoming orphans in parts of the world due to AIDS and HIV, they weren't just statistics to them. Their heart kind of broke over that particular issue. And, and, and at some point in their journey, they said, you know what? I know we already have a family, we already have a child of our own, but, but we can't just do nothing, and so Troy and Teresa, actually, what they did was they adopted a, a, a daughter um, from Swaziland, and then uh, not long after that, they adopted another daughter. She was from, from uh, Lesotho, and uh, a beautiful, amazing act of mercy in the lives of these two orphan girls who, there's a, a picture of the two girls in the front, and their other son, and we might think from the outside in, what a beautiful picture. What, a, what an idealistic kind of picture of someone taking in somebody who needs help. But I know from my, my friends sharing that it was actually quite complicated and costly. <laughs> it was very difficult. Not everyone understood what they were doing. They were judged by a lot of good Christian folk for what they did. And, 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 and you know what, it, it's like that way with mercy. When, when someone we know is in, in trouble, uh, uh, there's, there's often a, a lot of pain and confusion and, 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 and hurt in these situations. Mercy is messy. You know, when you're in a position of, of giving mercy, we often don't know what to give or, or how to give. Sometimes, actually, what we offer isn't wanted. It's messy, but that's what Christians do. We run into the blast zone, and, and we begin to rescue, and we begin to help. So why do we do it? Well, because of the mercy that we've been shown. The the book of Lamentations. It's in the Old Testament. Some of you have never turned to the book of Lamentations. I encourage you to do so. It's kind of a depressing book. I warn you. Lamentation is a word that means complaints or grief, and it's filled with lament over the losses Israel has has experienced. But in the middle of it is this gem of the verse that that has been such an encouragement to boatloads of people. Listen to this verse. Some of you will, will know this verse Lamentations 3 22. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. New every morning. Great is your faithfulness. His his mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning, which means God's mercy never gets old. You got new mercy every day. Can I tell you something? You need new mercy every day because you're going to have a new kind of trouble every day, are you not? I mean, Jesus says, don't worry about tomorrow. You've got, you got enough trouble today. But can I tell you the good news is that you've got mercy for today. God offers us fresh bread. It's not like day old. It's not like our bread out there. This is fresh bread. Fresh help for today. It's really good day old bread, by the way. <laughs> Just saying. Some of you don't need any more carbs, so stay away from the bread. So what is Mercy. Uh, mercy is tied to grace a lot of times. We'll hear the phrase mercy and grace kind of paired together quite a bit, mercy and grace, and, and they're related even though they're, they're, they're not the same. Uh, Bible scholar and theologian Richard Lensky, he, he helps us with this. He describes the difference this way. This is what he says. He says, mercy always deals with what we see of pain and misery and distress, what you might call the results of sin. Grace always deals with the sin and guilt itself mercy extends relief. Grace extends pardon. Mercy cures, heals, helps. Grace cleanses and reinstates. Isn't that that helpful? Does that make sense? Mercy responds to the effects of sin. Grace responds to the sin itself. And we we find the one who says blessed are the merciful is himself merciful. I mean, we've asked this question a lot. Why were people so drawn to Jesus? I mean, when you, when you look at the type of people that were so drawn to Jesus when he walked this earth, I mean, it was like some pretty messed up people, right? Sinners, <laughs> prostitutes, tax collectors, embezzlers, all those kind of people. Why were they so drawn to him? He was holy and they weren't, yet they flocked to him in droves. As Daryl Johnson put it unexpectedly, the, the holy one was merciful. And people, uh, you know, they would walk along and they would cry out to Jesus. And you know what they'd often say to Jesus? They'd say, Lord, have mercy. Because somehow in, in Jesus, they sensed they were encountering mercy itself. It's interesting to me that the exact word Jesus uses for mercy in this beatitude is only used one other time in the New Testament. It's, it's found in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 17. We read how Jesus was fully human in every way in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of people. <laughs> that, that passage tells us that Jesus is a merciful priest, a merciful high priest. High priest is just talk for him being a mediator between God and man. God, Jesus was fully God, and this passage reminds us he was fully human in every way. And that the mercy took him to the cross to take on the ruin of a sin-sick world. The, the crucifixion of Jesus, let me say, kicked at the darkness until it bled Easter morning. And we're the ones pulled from the rubble. We're the ones brought back from the dead. Um, Jesus was all about mercy, offering mercy. He taught about the importance of mercy, how it was uh, a mark, a uh, 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 what the kingdom of God looked like, how it's one of the greatest concerns God has. I mean, in Matthew 9, Jesus says, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Those are God, him quoting God's word from the Old Testament. Uh, In Matthew 23, he said, mercy is one of the weightier matters of the law. He says, don't get caught up in all all these other issues. I mean, if you're missing mercy, you're missing, you're you're throwing the, that's the baby, right? It's not the bathwater. A lot of bathwater. A lot of people concerned about the bathwater. Mercy is the baby. We find out Christ's mercy is an act of mercy. He gives it, and then he calls his people to live by it, to imitate it. Now, now, in light of this generous gift to us in, of mercy in Jesus, and this call to be merciful, how do we make sense of this particular bad, bad attitude? It's, it's kind of confusing, actually, because he says, "Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy." Is Jesus saying, I'm withholding mercy until you show mercy, then I'll show you mercy? Is that what he's saying? I don't think so, actually. <laughs> I, I, I don't think that's what he's getting at. Because mercy, by definition, is something that is inherently undeserved. Mercy, you don't, you don't offer mercy to somebody who deserves it. You're offering mercy to somebody who doesn't deserve it. It's like if you had, had committed some kind of crime and, and, and you, you pled guilty before the judge... and and it came sentencing time. At that point, you call out for mercy. Uh, I don't deserve it. Can you please be merciful on me? Some of you do this really, really well when you've been pulled over by a police officer for speeding, and you might not use the actual words, but it's kind of coming out by your begging. Please, please, officer, you know, show mercy. My wife does this really well, by the way. (laughs) She totally gets out of speeding tickets. It's, It's a beautiful thing masterful, love it. She says, I have to tell my sins, not her sins, is what she just said. So what do we make of this? I I think it's more likely that if we're not merciful, that somehow we're not connecting personally with the mercy God is offering, that somehow we have In a sense gone through the motions in some way but we truly haven't understood our need for his mercy and so if we haven't truly understood our poverty of spirits and our need to mourn over our sin and and that uh, idea of meekness and all, all these kind of things if we haven't gotten to that place we may think we've received god's mercy but we've secretly thought we didn't need it um i like uh how John Stott talks about this. He says, we can't merit, we can't earn mercy by mercy. We can't earn forgiveness by forgiveness. He says, we can't receive the forgiveness of God unless we repent. And we can't claim to have repented of our sins unless we are merciful to others. Daryl Johnson says something similar. He says, anyone who encounters Jesus, enters into a relationship with him, and shares his life will soon begin to take on something of his mercy. One of the strongest uh, passages about mercy in Scripture, all of Scripture, is Micah 6, 8. In it, God actually demands mercy of his people. He says, he has shown you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. What what does God require for us to love mercy? Mercy. And I, want to, I think it's important here to pause and remember. Obedience to the command of God to show mercy. In fact, obedience to any command that God gives is always a response to what God has given. It's, it's never an attempt on our part to, to, to basically get God to give. It never works that way. It's the good news of the gospel. It's, this is the good news, is you'll never, never, never have to be prying something from God's hand. So you don't even have to try All we can do is receive what he is so willing to give. And so this this mercy that he's so willing to give, when when we receive it, when we enter into that mercy, it's ascending mercy. It's God's response to our sin and and our brokenness, and it's something that we are now called to imitate. We're to be digging those out of the rubble. We we push back against the rubble, uh, against the darkness. And in light of Jesus... How can we not, in light of what he's done for us? Let me, let me give you a, uh, one example of how this this might actually kind of uh, function, how this kind of work maybe works itself out, um, how this mercy received becomes a mercy that we kind of almost naturally give. In a sense, mercy is kindness that flows directly from understanding our own poverty of spirit, our, our poorness. Here's the thing: when we when we begin to see our, our poverty of spirit, when we begin to Recognize our weakness and our sin, and see that it leads us to actually see the weakness and sin of others differently, does it not? And in some way, when you really, really get that you're a broken person, absolutely destitute, it becomes harder to point your fingers at other people, (laughs) does it not? And and I I don't know about you, but one of the things I've found as I've kind of gone on with God is that. it, it's like a, it, you begin to, as you understand his mercy towards you, you begin to have a little bit more patience with your own weakness and shortcomings. It's, it's like that's a piece of me. It's not the defining piece of me, but I've got this part of me that's still there, and it's almost like you treat it like a pet. That's Derwin the jerk right there. Yeah. He's not very nice, he has his moments. And so uh, you somehow, just by God's grace, you're able to be a little bit more patient with yourself and your own failings. And as you're able to do that and and experience that, that that translates into an ability to be a little bit more patient and empathetic and compassionate and and loving towards the failings of others. It's one of those things that happens. Mercy received means a growth in mercy towards the failings of others. And and this is the kind of mercy that we have been shown in Jesus. I mean, his compassion his empathy, his redemptive work in our lives. He he displays amazing patience with our weakness and shortcomings. And he he, he loves and he responds. And and this is the mercy we've been shown. And it's that kind of mercy we're called to. How else might mercy look for us? Um, Let me answer that first with a Winnie the Pooh story. Anybody like Winnie the Pooh? Those of you who didn't put up your hands, how can you not like Winnie the Pooh? Seriously. Terrible people. Some of you might not have ever heard of Winnie the Pooh. One day while standing on a bridge, Winnie the Pooh notices Eeyore, the donkey, floating down the river. And Pooh yells down, Did you fall into the river, Eeyore? Yes, silly of me, wasn't it? Replied Eeyore. Is the water cold today? Says Pooh. Yes, the dampness, you know. Says Eeyore. You really ought to be more careful, Warren Pooh. <laughs> yeah, thank you very much, right? Thank you very much at that point. Thanks, responded Eeyore. After a moment of silence, Eeyore asks Pooh, if it wouldn't be too much bother, would you mind rescuing me? <laughs> That's mercy. Because <laughs> mercy isn't just a, a feeling, it's not just an emotion. Mercy is, is gritty. It's hard. It's complicated. Let me say, no one is super graceful at mercy. <laughs> we, we, it's so messy that we're just not going to quite ever get it right, but it's an offer and a willingness to help other people. Now, when it comes to what mercy looks like, Jesus doesn't give us a lot of help in the beatitude, not in this beatitude anyway. What he does do is is he, he basically, I think, gives us a, a, an idea that mercy is something we're meant to do. I think some of his other parables actually flesh this out. Good Samaritan being a good place to go. You want to, you know, the, they asked, who is my neighbor? And he said, basically, everyone's your neighbor. <laughs> like, your enemies are your neighbors. O, all those kind of things. But I, I, don't, I don't think Jesus felt the need to elaborate because mercy is a response to a range of needs, and it can be global, and it can be local, and it can be personal, individual, you know? Sometimes an entire country needs mercy because of a natural disaster. Sometimes it's a stranger, sometimes it's someone you know very, very well. But it can be an immediate need, it can be an ongoing need, it, it can be practical or emotional or spiritual or physical or social. So uh, in our remaining few moments, I want us to think about this. I want to think about these three categories, global, local, and, and personal. What, what might it look like for us to show mercy in these three areas? First of all, globally. On a uh, cultural global scale, mercy is responding to what God says is the law, caring for widows and orphans. You know, and it's helping the, 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 the poor and the vulnerable in a number of ways. We Can I say, we've never lived in a time where there's more opportunity and more access to actually give real practical help in, in all kinds of parts of the world without even leaving our homes. We can get involved. So we get involved in a number of things. We do this together, we do this as individuals. As a church, we're, we're seeking to respond directly what's, to what's been happening in Syria. We're not wanting to be just spectators of, of a film like this and watching people homeless without actually responding in some way. And so, as you know, in the last year we've, we've put an application in for a refugee sponsorship from a family from, from Syria. It happens to be a Christian family, not from Aleppo, but from a a town of 24,000 that that their population was 24,000, I should say, but as a result of the war, their population is now 1,000, 23,000 homeless. Folks, this has been a politicized issue of late. Can I say, can we just step out of the politics of it? I don't care. I don't give... mm, mm. I don't care what anybody says about what we should or shouldn't do as as governments i'm saying as followers of jesus when we're confronted with need and we can do something let's do something we don't have to do it all but we can do something right and we're going to keep on working fleshing this out but i mean so in some senses let the government do what they want to do i mean if trump's going to close the borders to refugees I, I think that's been a good thing, because you know what it's done? It's highlighted the need of refugees again. Because for a year ago, refugees were a hot topic. We actually cared as a people. In the last year, I think we got a little bit cool about it. We've kind of forgotten that there's still 65 million refugees in the world, people who are homeless. And so I, I think it's been a good thing, and God, God probably has used that to, to highlight the need. We happen to live in Canada, where our doors are kind of open to refugees. So we're going we're gonna to try and walk out what does compassion look like aside from a political side of things. You, you can have a voice there too by the way. Because God, God is Lord of everything. So I mean, you know, if you want to you can, you can push there, but we're not dictated to by our government. We can show acts of mercy in those kind of ways. Mercy goes way beyond just, refu- I think of, of the kind of work we can do in terms of providing actually food for those who are hungry. And and medicine, and edu- education, and clean water. We've been able to do that in, in our work in Kenya in the last 10 years. It's been remarkable what, what a little bit of that kind of work, how it has transformed communities. Just a, a nominal investment on our part has transformed some, some places because we've been willing to show mercy. Um, all of that. Complicated, costly, and frustrating. And really, really good. So there's globally, and, and we can all, all our own way get involved with organizations who are combating any number of things. Uh, you know, even human trafficking, there's, there's great ministries. Uh, right now, one of our, our members is coming back from, from Cambodia because they work in a ministry that, that seeks to rehabilitate those who've been caught up in sex trafficking. It's an amazing ministry, and they're doing that. We can get involved in those things. For some of it, it, some of us, it'll mean we actually go. How many let me ask you how many of you have actually been on on some kind of mission trip either short term or long term just raise your hands have you done that Isn't that cool sometimes you go because uh, a we need people to come back and represent those people those needs to us we need to hear the story firsthand we need to have somebody that has gone and seen that's willing to come back and show so that's a good thing the other thing is that most often it changes our hearts what we can do over there is maybe a drop in the bucket but and in the process of seeking to offer help, it, it changes us as we offer mercy. Okay, that's global. Uh, we can serve there local. Um, in, in the mission statement here at Hillside, we, we talk of bringing the healing and hope and compassion of Jesus to the tri-cities and beyond. That's actually everywhere, by the way, wherever you live. Doesn't matter if you live in this particular neck of the woods. And it means that we aspire to serve and, and offer mercy to those that we live around. And, and may I say that that will be probably the bulk of the mercy the bulk of the opportunities that we have to share mercy it'll be with the the, our neighbors and people we bump into it'll be situations that we're probably pretty familiar with that'll be the the majority of our mercy sharing it might be in a formal way it might be through a a, a formal ministry that you get involved in you volunteer at pregnancy concerns to help at-risk moms or or with share as they have their food bank and and you're helping those who are vulnerable in our neighborhood or or it could be with journey home who, who work with refugees, there's, there's opportunities to kind of formally serve and, and offer mercy. But can I say there's also like all kinds of informal ways. You know, merely, um, you know, offering somebody a, a warm meal or uh, a warm bed or giving the gift of time, which is rare, or providing counsel or sharing wisdom. Um, I wonder if many of you have you've been in a situation like this. Someone's world is burning to the ground and they call you in to speak, and the mercy you can give in that moment is simply to slow them down, right? Because they're in it. They're, they're too in it to see. They're, they're kind of lost there, and, and they're about to make a decision they couldn't make, like, like to leave a marriage or to quit a job or to abandon their family or to check out a recovery. Sometimes local mercy is, is speaking the truth. Sometimes local mercy is, is slowing somebody down, I've talked about this before, it's, it's maybe just living your life with your eyes open. As you bump into the, the people around you, where you work and where you live, all, all those environments, look, look for, notice the needs, respond to those needs. Part of mercy sharing may actually be you sharing Jesus, because when the dust settles, maybe uh, that is our greatest need, everyone's greatest need. But maybe in that particular situation, you can't offer any practical help and and really no other help but except offering the hope that you've found in Christ and offering that to them. What a gift that is. And so we do it locally. Finally, we do this personally, individually. There's an appeal in this beatitude to forgive. Sometimes showing mercy means offering restorative kindness to somebody who has hurt us or offended us. Um, I don't think in my years here I've ever quoted William Shakespeare before, but I will this morning. Someone forwarded this uh, Shakespeare quote to me. It's from The Merchant of Venice. I think it's Portia reading this, but let me read it in a Shakespearean voice if I can. The quality of mercy is not strained. No, I won't. (laughs) It drops as the gentle rain from heaven upon the place beneath. It is twice blessed, it blesses him that gives. And him that takes it's mightiest in the mighty it's mightiest in the mightiest it becomes the throned monarch better than his crown Um, shakespeare was obviously pretty bright and it's clear that he probably read the bible (laughs) because what he's saying is that mercy is more attractive in a king or queen than their crown and mercy as he says is mightiest in the in the mighty in those who have might those who have power And and what it reminds us is that each of us come into situations that need mercy. And and we come from a position of of power to a a person that we are approaching because they've hurt or offended us, and we have the the power to to offer mercy, but can I say we also have the power to withhold mercy, which is almost kind of like revenge. Here's the reality is uh, when it comes to a personal level is that we will hurt each other. We just will. There, there's no avoiding it. And, and the closer we get to each other, the greater capacity we will have to hurt one another. Sometimes we'll hurt each other because we're, <laughs> we're really mad and we mean to hurt somebody. <laughs> Most of the time I'd say we're going to hurt each other because we just didn't know how not to. And that's the reality of, of, of being sinful people and broken people in a sinful and broken world. And and it's really the beauty of of Jesus and the beauty of the gospel that that he's responding to that in us. And and there's just no avoiding the fact that we are going to hurt one another. We're always going to need to give each other mercy, which means we're also going to all need to get good at receiving mercy. And that's good practice for journeying with Jesus. Mercy is like the, the white helmets to people. We, we kick at the darkness until it bleeds daylight. Mercy is courage. We're, we run to the blast and we dig through the rubble. Mercy is the, the work of, of leaving a person or a thing or a place better than we found it. And this mercy has already been done to us in Christ, who tells us that the only reasonable response is to go and do Likewise. Amen. And we have grace to do so. Let's sing. things I want to just close with. Have a seat for a minute. Won't keep you long. Two things. Uh, Some of you are saying, how do I get in on this? I feel like I haven't actually yet received that mercy. And I want to say Jesus is so generous and so kind. He doesn't ask you to do any heavy lifting on this. He literally says, it's kind of like when when I asked you earlier to stand up as kind of a symbol of your faith for him to feed you. Um, In some senses, you've got to do that in your heart you got to stand up in some sense and say, God, here's my life, and I'm broken, and I'm messed, and you see it all, and I can't pretend with you, you know, what's really in my heart of hearts. You know, that flawed, that selfishness, that, that's what our sin is. And, and Jesus says, I went to the cross, and I solved that. That mess is, is taken care of. I paid the price. Your debt is covered. And what he wants to do is he wants to come into your life and, and begin exploding your life with his character and his life and his goodness and uh it means just kind of in some way standing up and submitting ourselves to his leadership and you can do that this morning you can do it in any moment i, I know people who've done it in the middle of the night they woke up and, and they said god i give you my life i want to i want to go your way i want to have your mercy so that's 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 the one image i had is that uh for those of you who think, I, I don't know if I've received that mercy, is that, hey, this is not difficult. It's, it's kind of an interior giving of your life to Jesus. And then he, he walks you through the rest, and you become a beatitude person over time. The other thing was, uh, I had a picture of you, this, this whole crowd, this place filled with people with white helmets on their head. And, and, and you were the white helmet people. And you were like, sign me up i'm ready to go and i want to say really clearly folks that uh, you hang around this church for very long this is where we're going if you are wondering what our mission and vision is we're going in that direction we want to see god use us as a community to transform the world and transform our neighborhood so that this city will not be the same because we're here and we want to see friends of ours find faith we want to see see broken people that we we know of that are hurting we want to see them find comfort that's where we're heading so i i, I kind of challenge you that, that if you haven't yet taken up that that hat you're kind of living i mean maybe just caught living for yourself you know and, and we as all of us can get that way we get just settle we're settling for something less and uh, i just had the sense this morning that, that there was a white helmet i wish i had white helmets for all of you to walk out of here with today but uh, for some of you uh, maybe you need to just put on the figurative white helmet and say, I'm going, I'll, I'll, I'll run to the blast zone, I'll run into the rubble, and I'll be one that kicks at the darkness, uh, because God's vision is, is he wants to restore everything, and he wants to use you to do it. May God give us the grace today to experience just a taste of this abundant mercy that he has for us, that we might offer to the world. Amen? Amen. 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 God bless you as you go. Uh, We have refreshments back there. Please enjoy.